welcome back to the all new, all different number one comics podcast, episode number 38. That's right, Bob. We are 38 episodes old. Happy 38th episode. That's one. You got 37 more to go. Oh, man. I can't believe it. Uh, <laughs> we are a comic book podcast, and each and every episode, we take a look at a brand new first issue comic that's been released in the same week, uh, the current week. I guess that was a weird way to say it, but you know what I meant. Uh, you know what I meant. I don't yeah. know if they know what I meant, but <laughs> uh, we break down the story as well as the art give it some sort of a review and let you guys know if we think that you should move on to issue number two or not. We also talk about a little bit of comic book and related news as well as what's new at comic book shops this and next week. And this week we will be taking a deep dive into the all new number one from Boom Studios. Stuff of Nightmares, Red Murder. That's right. Stuff of Nightmares is back. This is a I think what they're doing is is kind of like an anthology type of thing in the universe. So is it all one shots or did they do like this one's number one, the next one's going to be number two? Yeah, basically they're one shots, um, okay. which I know isn't typically the format of this podcast, but I'm looking at this one a little bit different because, yeah, there's more coming out, you know, even if it's not in the same exact series. Um, right. Yeah, it's... It, We'll 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 talk about it. We'll get there. But I mean, it it does seem like it. If if you've read this, it does seem like it's going to loosely connect. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's got it's a uh, crypt keeper style narrator and all of right. that kind of stuff. So right. so yeah, definitely. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about some comic book news. <laughs> And we are back with the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast episode number 38. Uh, by the way, I'm Dan, and that's Bob. Say hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. It's uh, better late than never is what they say, right? I, I, I feel better now. <laughs> yeah. I feel better now. <laughs> A giant weight has been lifted off of your shoulders. Uh, I, I agree with you. Okay, uh, I can go home now. Yeah, there's nothing worse than like watching... Uh, an interview or like listening to a podcast or something and then you don't know who the hell's talking that's that's absolutely the worst thing who's ever. talking yeah he's who, scary who are these people who are you <laughs> the all new what if different comics what bob who? <laughs> who who are you guys uh yeah we're gonna talk some comic book news bob there's some comic book news this week so Is there there's definitely a little bit more than none, so uh, I see that as a win. I don't hey, know some about is you. better than none. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Let's talk about some news from Mad Cave. Mad Cave is set to release new Dick Tracy comic books beginning in March of next year. There's an obscure one. Yeah, that's that's a little different. I don't know. Look, there's a creative team announced and stuff like that, but I don't even feel the need to really go into that. Let's just uh, riff on on what that means. Uh, Mad Cave releasing New Dick Tracy next year. Thoughts? Okay, now we <laughs> were we were talking about this yes. yesterday. Uh huh. And you voiced some concerns <laughs> as to how this would work. Explain your concerns. Yeah, well, I'm just wondering about the technology part. There's. I'm, I'm, I guess what I'm hoping is that time is not addressed. That would be the best thing, in my opinion, for, and, for the uh, book. Like I said, maybe they'll do Captain America. He was frozen for 70 years. Yeah, I just don't... I, I think what I don't want out of this is something like 
Dick Tracy coming into the 2020s and and having to address that all the time and it's like the butt of a joke or something. Right. Because obviously, you know, Dick Tracy works in the time period that, that it's in. That's So basically, you don't want an Encino Man. <laughs> I'd love an Encino Man <laughs> comic, actually. Somebody please get up on that. I, Polly Shore, Brendan Fraser, hell yeah. Uh, all day, um, please. Actually, Bob, I think we could script that ourselves. So, yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, no, no problem there. Actually, uh, now, now that I think about it, wasn't Encino Man kind of set up for like a sequel at the end? Like, wasn't there like an Encino Woman towards it, the it, end? It, and... it was, yes. <laughs> there, there was a uh, there was a female cave woman unfrozen. Yeah, <laughs> and you know you could have had all sorts of hijinks with her and Brendan Fraser's character. There we go, Bob. That might be our comic book calling. You never know. Um, <laughs> we we write out the sequel to Encino Man. Uh, and surprisingly, <laughs> Sean Astin was in the movie. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Sean Astin. I forgot about him. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow, deep cut there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Mad Cave, Dick Tracy. Uh, I don't know. Those are my thoughts. I'm hoping that they just ignore either time super ambiguous or or it's set when it was originally set. I just don't want them addressing all of the things that come along with it being set in modern times. I don't want them talking about uh, Apple Watches and cell phones and stuff and all the, the current technology because that would make it too... Like, Dick Tracy was, like, campy and weird and... I mean, basically, it was based on the villains. You know, no one cared that much about, uh, about Dick Tracy. Oh, you can speak into your watch? So can I. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. We'll see how this goes. It sounds fun, though. I, I I don't know about you. I really loved that Dick Tracy movie when I was a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It. I mean, you look back on it now, you're like, man, that was campy. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, back then, as a kid, when you were watching it, it's like... This is cool. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was like taking all the best parts of like Batman or something, which is the rogues gallery, and then like amplifying that to like a hundred because everyone is just based on like, you know, whatever, like their name reflects what they are. Like, <laughs> And I mean, if you look at it, it was a good, it was an ensemble cast. Oh yeah, definitely. A uh, huge casting there. Um, yeah, but. I'm I'm kind of stoked for this. Uh, I I have to say so. My expectation is, it's not high, but uh, but this could be very cool. We'll have to see how it goes. I'm I'm not too sure. Um, next up in the news, though, Bob, I know you're very excited. The writer's strike is over. <laughs> yes, please, a round of applause. Uh, it's about time. Yeah, after I don't know, almost half a year. I think it was about five-ish months or something. Um, the writer strike. Just wait, just wait another three years. Well, yeah, it'll happen again. We know that uh, studios are very greedy. Um, yeah. Uh, the the negotiations are gonna earn writers about two hundred and thirty three million dollars more per year than the previous agreement. Good for them. Yeah. So so that that's really good. Um, and and that that being said. Obviously, a lot of people were... So, here's what I found out today, actually, just by reading a little bit um, from from some different writers and stuff. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the writers were still... Work, let me not use the word working. They weren't working, but they were still uh, crafting right. during this strike. So, right. a lot of them took this as an opportunity to write something, to write multiple things, whatever. Um, and... 
they just weren't able to like shop it around and present it to anybody or anything. So, I mean, hell, we might be getting a lot, a lot of content out of this strike, actually. Um, and, and that kind of brings up the next little bit of news. Uh, obviously, Marvel is now requesting pitches for an X-Men movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> which we've been waiting for for so long. Uh, and we figured that that was kind of happening in the shadows or whatever. Right. But but now we know for a fact uh, Marvel has kind of put out that call and they're saying, hey, writers, we want to see what you guys got. So my question to you, Bob, is what have you written and, and when are you sending it in? <laughs> <laughs> um, un- unfortunately, I haven't. Um, you know, I... I I don't want to toot my own horn, but mm-hmm. hopefully my uh, script would be better than uh, <laughs> their take on the Dark Phoenix saga. Oh, man. Oh, God. Well, uh, I'll, well I'll, both, I'll... both takes on the Dark Phoenix <laughs> saga. They didn't get either one right. I'll be the one Dark Phoenix defender. I, I did like that movie, but uh, but but yeah, I, I hear what you're Wait, saying. Which, which one? The the second one. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. The, fir- the first class Dark Phoenix. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it was bad, but I, I know I'm the minority there. Um, but yeah, that it, it's really interesting to think of uh, X-Men script being out there, people writing an X-Men script, because we've had so many X-Men movies so far. Like, mm-hmm. what can they do different? Are they even worried about doing anything different? Are they just going to do, like, an origin story? Or are we going to, like, kind of like uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man it? Like, where it doesn't really have to worry about the origin, and it's, uh, like, what I, I don't know. What are they going to do here? I'm hoping they don't do uh, another origin because, I mean, especially with an IP as old as the X-Men. Yeah. People know their origin. I I completely agree. People know what mutants are. Sure. Uh, Well, I mean, I think that, you know, all all of us for a long time have uh, had that problem where we're thinking uh, mutants have to be a big deal because they haven't been brought up before in the MCU. So so something has to happen there, something different, but... um, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm assuming in the upcoming weeks and months and all of that, we're going to be getting a lot of X-Men news. So Now I want some casting news. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, definitely some, some casting news would be great. Uh, let's move on to our next little piece of, of uh, news here. And I will say I meant to segue that a little better um, because I wanted to sound very pretentious by saying that Marvel is now requesting pitches for an X-Men film. Pretentious um, does not suit you. Well, well, it suits this little bit of news because speaking of film, Martin Scorsese just can't shut the... I'm going to put like a big beep in there so it yeah. sounds like I said the F word um, about superhero movies. It, it has um, four letters and two of them are hockey sticks. That's all you need to know. Yeah, sure, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, Martin Scorsese just, just can't shut up about superhero movies. He was doing a GQ interview about his newest pretentious movie starring some actors that he uses in every single movie. And Leo? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wow. Uh, the 80-year-old filmmaker said that IP franchises are dangerous to film culture and generations are now going to think that these are the only movies and filmmakers need to fight back. Uh, so if that's not an 80-year-old man yelling at the clouds, I don't know what the hell is. Okay, uh... Martin, I'm going to call you Martin for <laughs> yeah. argument's sake, sure. because hopefully you won't listen to this. I, hopefully you do. <laughs> but don't get me wrong, I like your movies. Can't say I love them. <laughs> but I'm, 
not every movie has to be, you know, a slow burn, dialogue driven, story driven kind of movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, there it. The MCU has shown that there is room for the. I mean, just look at some of the top grossing movies of all time. Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, I quote IP projects. Mm -hmm. Have I mean, the general public has shown that at least in one particular time period, maybe not this time period, but those IP films, you know. Did good numbers and uh, the majority of people around the world watched them. So your kind of movies do not need to be the only movies out there. Well, that that's what I'm getting at with this pretentiousness about film, uh, about film snob snobbery and all of that. I give it a rest. You know, it's it's so it's so uh, boring and lame to say that only my thing uh, is a film and other things right. are not like, right. it's again, it's very, very pretentious to say something like that. Uh, these are movies are, uh, is, is the MCU or somebody coming out and saying like, right. you know, these are, uh, the finest works of art and they should be like, and, and they're not saying that they're putting out movies that they think people will enjoy. I mean, like, do you, do you see like, uh, Kevin Feige or Taika Waititi, you know, um, Poo-pooing over Martin Scorsese film. No, absolutely not. Uh, of course not. Uh, why would you? That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to put out into the world. And if people choose, you know, to watch that, to give it awards, whatever, then that's their business. That's fine. Right. And honestly, besides maybe Scorsese and maybe, maybe a handful of other directors, mm -hmm. you don't hear, at least publicly, at least publicly, a lot of directors coming out and say, oh, these films are harmful to cinema. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that just brings me to, to that point of the discussion. You know, what what are we seeing as, as harmful uh, about this? Why would it matter if, if people, you know, generations to come think that these are the only movies that exist or whatever? Like, I, I don't understand what that does. Uh, every time, you know, a new movie comes out, every time a new genre takes over, what's popular in, in theaters and, and, and all of that. I mean, you, you risk the chance of people only remembering that thing. So, right. so why now, just because superhero movies are, are very popular, why are we not talking about Westerns from before, yeah, sci-fi from... That, that's the thing with Scorsese, <laughs> you're making these comments. Mm -hmm. He's only, I mean, he's literally talking about one segment of movies, yes. superhero movies. And, and the, that's the only segment he's talking about. That's it. Yeah, that's the only thing he just wants to attack it. He just hates them. And and whatever. Have your own opinion. That's fine. Um, I have my opinion. You know, you. I, I'm tired of the apologist for Martin Scorsese. Everybody always has to lead with, uh, I respect him or I like his movies. I don't like a single Martin Scorsese movie. I don't like those kinds of movies. I think they're bad. So basically, basically would he think the same thing about James Bond? That. I, I, I that, love, that's an IP exactly. that's been I'd love going to hear on it. since the 60s. Yeah, that's absolutely an IP franchise. Look, the only difference here, and especially sneaking something in like IP franchise, because that's like kind of a dangerous term if you want to if you want to play ball, I guess. Because, yes, his movies are not franchises. I'll give them that. They don't have enough uh, uh, longevity to be a franchise or anything. I mean, I don't think anybody really wants to hear more about the world of Goodfellas or anything. I certainly right. don't. No. But, Goodfellas is his movie, right? Uh, I don't know. I could be wrong, but so. uh, whatever his movies are, Taxi Driver or something. But um, either way, uh, I would say that, you know, 
again, IP, IP being, uh, uh, now I can't think of the term. Intellectual Intellectual property. property. There we go. There we go. I couldn't get that first word because I'm not very uh, intellectual, but, um, (laughs) but yes, uh, that's, that's something that someone else created that you're, you're, you're bringing to life, whatever, um, uh, all of that. Uh, now is his newest movie something that, that somebody else wrote that, Yes, it's a book. It's a book that somebody else wrote that he picked up and decided to direct and all of that. So is that his IP? Like Exactly. That, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's the true definition of an IP. Yes, absolutely. It already exists. Yes. Yeah. So so what is he talking about? Uh, again, I'm getting I'm getting old man yelling at the clouds vibes. Again, he's only I mean, he's only talking about one segment of movies. That's it. Yeah. I mean, you don't hear him. I mean, and I hate to use this example because I love these movies mm-hmm. even though you know, I know it's not it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, just like Martin Scorsese movies, but I don't hear him going after the Fast and Furious franchise. Exactly. Yeah. Well, why, why aren't we saying anything about that? Um, why? Uh, again, yeah. There's sequels being made of things. There's there's uh, interconnected universes and and studio movies and everything like. There's superheroes on the but screen. But that's just business. If something makes a lot of money, yeah. you want to make a sequel about it. And 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 what he's saying is is that filmmakers need to fight back. So So basically every movie out there should be just a one and done. Yeah, a very pretentious uh, art house film made about um mm-hmm. I don't know, uh people uh casting Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio yelling and stuff. Look, <laughs> and and again, I began this by saying I like his movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I d- I don't love him. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't love his movies, I'm sorry. But I mean, his mo- his movies, you know, people like superhero movies. I'm sure the same people who like his movies like superhero movies. Yes, absolutely. So is he basically, you know, alienating that segment of the movie-going population? He is, and again, I think that's what I was getting at before. We Look, he's saying stand up, fight back, filmmakers need to fight back, blah, blah, blah. Um, fight I, back for what? <laughs> well, fight back for money? I, I Hell of I know. Fight back because no one's interested in, in as interested in his projects as they are in the latest Marvel movie, I guess. But 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 here's what I'm saying, you know, and, and this comes from, you know, uh, again, like I always hear it prefaced with I respect Martin Scorsese, right, whatever, blah, blah, right, blah, like his movies, right. all that. Um, I say, you know, no, fight back the other way. Stop defending him. You know, don't defend Martin Scorsese. If you like his movies, fine. Like, then like his movies, you know, but that doesn't give him the right to to come out and shit on everybody else's art, you know, on, on the stuff that, you know, they're doing the same thing that he's doing. They're taking something, they're writing, they're scripting, they're hiring right. uh, large, large crews of they're people to film, direct. Project. Exactly. Whether you're passionate about it or not, like, means absolutely nothing. Then Then stand aside and let people do what they do. Um, the last little thing I'm going to say about that, because, uh, again, this, I, I don't want to get too amped up on right, it, but, um, right. the, the last thing I want to say about it is, is he included Christopher Nolan in this and said, you know, that we need other, uh, filmmakers like Christopher Nolan, you know, to fight, stand up and fight against this. Christopher Nolan is, is known for what, what popular, uh, franchise Jeez. did Christopher Nolan do hmm. that? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of a trilogy that did really, really well in the superhero genre, um, 
I can't think of the name of it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely did some superhero stuff there. Uh, really well known for that too. So um, yeah, uh, fight back, I guess. Do what you, do what you got to do. <laughs> you do you, Martin. Yeah. And, and speaking of film, Bob, uh, I I should have uh, texted you or something beforehand, so so you could have watched this trailer because I don't know if you did. But did you happen to see the Toxic Avenger Red Band trailer? I did not. You haven't. I did not. I didn't even know there was a trailer out. <laughs> yeah, there's a trailer out. Um, you know what, Bob? You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna make a special uh, a special um, I don't know occasion. We're gonna stop right here, watch the trailer, and come back and talk about it. All right. Okay, and and we watched that, Bob. So we did. Uh, <laughs> thoughts? <laughs> well, my first my first thought is they they made a trailer without really giving anything away. Yeah, definitely. We, like which a, is a good which is teaser. yeah, which is which is kind of a breath of fresh air nowadays because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you see a lot of trailers where they give now subsequent trailers. I mean, they could do that. Yep, but. It's nice and refreshing to see a trailer with that doesn't give too much away. Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't give too much away. Now, we we see that we're going to get that trauma-inspired camp. Oh, low quality. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get a whole lot of <laughs> camp and a whole lot of gore. Yeah, and, and that's to be expected here. I think that right. if we didn't, it would right. be very odd. Um, I think that probably the, the most we can say about that trailer, because, again, there's... They don't really give a lot away. It's just kind of uh, news reports or whatever, interviews on the streets type of thing. Um, and then, and then of course, we get kind of like a showdown, which is at, I don't know, I think it was like a restaurant or something like that. Yeah, a restaurant or a diner. Yeah, sure. Um, Some food-related place. Exactly. And we have like an extremist group in there, kind of... kind of The nasty lads. Yeah, <laughs> taking over, taking people hostage, whatever they're doing for whatever reason. And then it looks like uh, Toxic Avenger comes in there and then just rips that dude's jaw straight off, <laughs> which I, I, you know, I had seen the trailer before. Of course, this was your first time. I, I was watching your face for that and you you, you definitely lit up. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they've they've got uh, they're going to have a little bit of ultra violence in this thing. And uh, yeah, um, which, I, which I mean is to be expected. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the Toxic Avenger. Yes, absolutely. Um but yeah, uh, and it, 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 I'm, I'm sure the movie's going to be insane because of that. Oh, yeah, it's it's going to be an insane movie. Um, and, and like you had talked about kind of off air before I hit record again, you don't really get any of Peter Dinklage in there. Um, no, you don't. You don't. Yeah. You really don't. He's he's, you know, in the shadows for a second. But I, I don't know. What are you uh, what are you thinking of of him for this role? Like, are, are you excited to see him in this role? I'm interested, yeah. just because it is Peter Dinklage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, um, we've seen Peter Dinklage go comedic roles before, sure. lighter, mm-hmm. you know, tone before. I mean, even even Eatry was kind of a, you know, lighter character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just interested to see how camp he actually goes. Yeah. I'm I'm imagining full camp on this thing. This has got to be uh, very very campy. Well, I mean, they're just the trailer itself was full camp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, sh- should be a good one. But yeah, I wanted to at least uh, make sure that we talked a little bit about that. We are going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to talk about some new comic book shops 
new comic books that are new in shops How this week. How many shops are opening I, of note? I mean, hopefully a lot, I guess, you know, uh, good for the industry. But yeah, uh, we'll be right back. And we are back with episode number 38 of the all new, all different number one comics podcast. We are going to talk about some new comic books that hit shelves this very week in comic book shops, Bob from Marvel Comics, we got our Avengers annual number one. This is the finale to the contest of chaos crossover. Uh, that's what I'm supposed to call it. And also in this issue, I don't know if you've read it yet, um, but we I have not. Oh, OK, so we're getting the Darkhold in here, taking the form of a young boy. Really? Yeah. So it's it's basically like the uh Oh man, what was that storyline with the Cosmic Cube? <laughs> uh shit. Um I can't remember the name of it. Uh yeah, it'll it'll come to me later tonight, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But yeah, so we're <laughs> I mean we're bra- we're basically getting another uh, Corvette or Kobic. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, uh I don't know. Uh, very, very cool. Um, Darkhold, uh, very important, uh, especially with, with stuff so going on. So it's going to be an evil child. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> so are we talking exorcist? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, uh, what was what was Damien from? What was the name of that? Uh, damn, now I can't remember. Uh, either way, we're, we're not great at uh, remembering anything today, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Ro- not not Rosemary's Baby, no. Uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, either way, I'll think of it another time. Um, we also got Invincible Iron Man issue number ten, where Tony is marrying Emma Frost. There, so question mark. Yeah, I haven't read it yet, so I don't know if there's any shenanigans going on or if everything went according to plan and it was fine. But whenever you say shenanigans, I'm just envisioning you know deer in the wedding, and then all of a sudden we hear the. Benny Hill chase music. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's not that shenanigan <laughs> heavy. Hopefully it's, uh, I don't know, more like uh, Dr. Doom crashing the wedding or something like that. But uh, I, I don't know. We'll read to find out. Bob, we also got a facsimile reprint of Micronauts number one. Who, I'm sorry. Yeah. Who wants a facsimile reprint of Micronauts number one? I'm sure it sold well because they did a foil reprint also. So you know that's going to sell. Now, I, I, do, I, I do like those foils. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Reprints. Yeah, I do I, like those. Yeah, I, I definitely picked up the uh, Hulk 181. One. I, I like that. Uh, we also got the conclusion to Ultimate Invasion. So issue number four of Ultimate Invasion. We got that final issue. Before um, the Ultimate Universe starts up, so I had not read it yet, but I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, likewise. Uh, and and side note, this isn't in my notes here, but we also got that Marvel Unleashed issue number two. I'm really excited yes. about reading that. Should be very good as well. Um, from DC Comics, we got the Flash number one. So a new volume of Flash. I picked it up. I'm I'm sorry, Bob. I'll probably never read it. Uh, if, <laughs> you know, if if it would have been like something we were covering here on the podcast, I'd probably get into it. But uh, or obviously, I'd get into it. But other than that, um, I don't know. It's just it's hard for me to be interested in the Flash or Speedsters mm. altogether. It's just not my thing. Well, it, it's it's a Dawn of DC. How many months after? Yeah. Donna DC first started? Yeah, quite a few. Yeah, definitely. Shouldn't you shouldn't you have done number ones on the day you rebooted to Donna DC? 
you would think I'm, I'm not sure what the uh what the point of this is but or why they're rolling them out in this way but yeah they are for some of them uh we're also getting power girl number one so we've got an, an ongoing power girl uh series again man I'm, I'm i'm sorry i'm just i don't care that much i did pick it up but yeah i you know honestly i've never read anything power girl yeah I mean, even, you know, Power Girl's first appearance and stuff like that doesn't really hold I don't even time. know what her first appearance is. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, hell of I know, but uh, I, I've got it. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Or maybe I don't have her first appearance. Maybe I just have some iconic covers. I, I, I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, we did get the Unstoppable Doom Patrol 6. So the, the final issue of that, I know we both liked that book. That was a lot of fun. Oh, no, the penultimate issue. Oh, okay. There's one more after this? Yeah, it, oh, okay. it goes oh. to seven. Oh, okay. Okay, good. So uh, the next issue will unfortunately be the last issue. Gotcha. Well, uh, either way, that first one was a lot of fun. I, I do know that. Um, from Antarctic Press, we got Kaiju Cooking, number one. Don't ask. I don't know. Uh, it sounds interesting. I picked up a copy, and I will say it was the only copy at our shop that I saw. So is it basically Iron Chef, but instead of ingredients, you use kaiju? Well, I think that it's like a story where there is like a fallen kaiju or something. And l let's see. Uh, let me read the solicit here because, yeah, this is going to leave a lot of questions if I don't. Yes. When a giant hero leaves a defeated kaiju corpse nearby, a young restaurateur fears her shop will go out of business before it even opens, but then realizes what may be the ultimate menu dropped right on her doorstep. So, so it basically is Iron Chef, except you use kaiju. Yeah, I, this is a really fun concept, actually. I'm really kind of into this. Uh, it's it's gross, but... Uh. That, that, I mean, that's not going to have any repercussions, eating <laughs> kaiju or anything. Yeah, I can just imagine. And there's they're calling this a one-shot. There's no way. Like, come on. you no, got to expand I, I, this. Yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely see an entire story coming Yeah, out absolutely. Well, at least a limited series coming out of this yeah hopefully they do something with it because that's that's really cool um uh next up we got from dark horse yusagi yojimbo ice and snow number one we've talked about that a little bit before neither one of us very familiar with yusagi yojimbo i've never read an issue other than than the crossover in the turtles books so um that's all i know but uh it is of note for for all you yusagi yojimbo collectors out there IDW's got Sonic the Hedgehog, Amy's 30th anniversary. Hell, Bob, I don't even know who Amy is. I don't know if you do, but <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what character Amy is. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know enough Sonic lore. I I don't even want to speculate because <laughs> if I get it wrong, then I'm sure I'll get a lot of hate from. Uh, That's right. Sonic All the Sonic the fans are going to come for you. Yeah. yeah. We, can't, we can't have that on the podcast. Torches and pitchforks. <laughs> uh, we also got Star Trek Day of Blood, Shaq's Best Day. Uh, I don't know who Shaq is. It's not Shaq the. the I was going to say the basketball player. Not that Shaq. We're going S H A X. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> You know, you know. I'm sorry. I just want to interject something really quick. Please. Um, so Dan has a um, possessed Gatorade bottle, oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah, makes yeah. sounds. Let's get it over and here to the mic. It's, it's, there it goes. it's really weird. <laughs> as soon as he said "shacks," to where I had no idea, it made a sound. Yeah, it, and it's like <laughs> I'm looking over. I'm like. 
That is perfect timing. Yeah, it is a possessed bottle. I'll definitely give it that. Um, we'll have that on our merch page soon. But um, uh, last up from Vault Comics, we got Sainted Love number one. Uh, I look. I don't know. I'm 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 just I'm just telling you what's out there. Okay, it it sounds fun. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we are going to go over this new Stuff of Nightmares, R.L. Stein book, Red Murder number one. And we are back to talk about Boone Studios' new number one, or one shot if we want to call it that, because that's pretty much what it is. Stuff of Nightmares, Red Murder, Again, in the R.L. Stein uh, line of Stuff of Nightmares here from Boom Studios. Let's talk about the uh, synopsis really quick from Boom Studios. It reads, Comic creator Alex Oksana has been out of the spotlight for decades and he'll wish to remain... He Sorry. He'll wish he remained in obscurity soon enough. Red Murder was the smash hit title of the early 2000s. We'll come back from the past in more ways than one during the 20th anniversary celebration of the title. A real axe murder easily, sorry, eerily parallel the hatchet-wielding killer in the comic starts chopping down equally real victims. Prolific author and legendary terror R.L. Stein is joined by artist Adam Gorham. For a nightmarish, self-contained chapter of the best-selling stuff of nightmares that readers old and new would kill for. So that's the synopsis there from Boom. Uh, let's talk about the creators, and then I'll get into my breakdown. Or, sorry, my synopsis of the book. Uh, of course, R.L. Stein, ladies and gentlemen. If we're unfamiliar with R.L. Stein, uh, shame, shame on you. Pick up a book. Yeah, that's all I can say. Um, no, maybe some people are, I don't know, way older than us, way younger than us. This definitely hits like our generation, yeah. uh, R.L. Stein buying those scholastic Goosebumps books at school and then Fear Street later on and everything. Yeah. You're looking at my uh, Goosebumps collection down there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. R.L. Stein, uh, huge in the horror community, but like, you know, the kid friendly horror community, uh, Goosebumps, really big big stuff from from our childhood but let's talk comics for a second we'll go exclusively comics for rl stein uh back in 1986 for eclipse comics rl stein did fear book then in 1987 uh, the year bob was born he did dead time stories and uh, a little more recently uh Back in 2017 for Marvel Comics, uh, actually, you know, my favorite character, R.L. Stein wrote a Man-Thing miniseries, a four-part Man-Thing mini that was very, very interesting. I can't say it was good, but it was <laughs> it was a very interesting take. And I, I, I think I've said this before, maybe privately to you or, or whatever, but um, I do really appreciate R.L. Stein's take on Man-Thing because what R.L. Stein did with, Man, with Man-Thing was go in and took a big swing. Mm-hmm. And he decided, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something slightly meta. I'm going to, like, he didn't just go in and, and write a Man-Thing story that had already been done before that, you know, Steve Gerber or somebody else had already right. done. So um, I really respect R.L. Stein for that. I'm not going to lie. It didn't quite land. It was a swing. I'm not going to call it a miss, but it was, like, you know, kind of mediocre. But I really respect the guy for for what he did with it. Um, and And I don't know if that means anything to anybody, but, you know... To me, I just I would much rather see somebody take a swing than do something that's safe on a character like Man Thing. And hey, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least he tried, so I'll give him that. 
Um, and, and then a little more recently, uh, some some free comic book day stuff uh, and Halloween Fest comic stuff. Uh, Just Beyond, um, Monstrosity and the Horror at Happy Ending. And then very recently here for Boom Studios, uh, Stuff of Nightmares. So Stuff of Nightmares, a, um, a four-part mini from... from uh, last year from 2021 or sorry, 2022. Uh, and, and, you know, it's kind of like EC meets fear street a little bit. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's, um, it's very interesting. That's, that's all I can, can say. Uh, very interesting stuff, but, but cool, you know, kind of like this comic, uh, cool stuff out there. And I, I think RL Stein's going to be do doing more stuff in comics. It really kind of fits his vibe in my opinion you know, you can't continue to pump out uh, Fear Street and, and Goosebumps now really in this time, like other than, you know, for nostalgic purposes for people like us or whatever. So how long can you capitalize on on something like that would be, you know, kind of the real question there. Um, and, and obviously not forever. So uh, I don't know. E either way, really cool stuff. Uh, I want to talk about the other creator but i don't have them up right now so i gotta i gotta waste some time for a second and i, I don't know bob say something interesting well uh, let's talk something about interesting. <laughs> yeah exactly so adam gorham um is a comic book illustrator and he has worked on quite a few things uh he did uh, adventures of archer and armstrong mm -hmm. for valiant did adventure time over at boom uh did firefly sorry all new firefly over at boom angel did stuff on Archie, Assassin's Creed, uh, Bleed Them Dry, Black Terror, Black Panther, Blossom 666, a lot of stuff for Valiant, uh, Captain Canuck, Breakout, uh, Crossover, just a whole bunch of, of really cool stuff. Uh, lots and lots of work. Really, really cool creator there. Did some uh, Archie horror stuff too, like Chuck Had the Hunger and everything. So, um, so that is credited to him there. I'm going to go into my synopsis really quick. It's, it's a little long winded, of course, but the book is a little oversized also. So you'll have to excuse me for that. My synopsis reads stuff of nightmare, sorry, stuff of nightmares. Red murder opens with a comic within a comic called red murder, which tells the origin of Dale and how he becomes the red murderer when a lab accident goes wrong. And Dale now has an insatiable thirst for blood. We then meet our storyteller slash crypt keeper type named the Nightmare Keeper as he introduces the story. And as the story proper begins, we meet Alex, who is the comic book illustrator who created Red Murder. And we're shown how insanely popular the comic and fandom of Red Murder are with cosplay and uh, conventions, podcasts, and everything else. During a podcast interview, Alex gets upset due to the interviewer bringing up the fact that Alex has made no money off the popularity of Red Murder, and Alex then trashes the studio and leaves. We then see murders take place in real life by someone dressed as Red Murder at the convention. Alex explains to his wife or girlfriend or partner or something, I'm not exactly sure if they said who that was, uh, that he didn't actually create the character and that it was based on his brother, who the lab accident actually happened to. Alex finally sets up for his brother to come clean and turn himself in the next day. But then he begins murdering a bunch more people at the convention. 
The red murderer is then revealed to be Alex in the end. And then we see the crypt, or sorry, the nightmare keeper one last time as he teases the next book in the series, which is entitled Sleigh Ride that's releasing this Christmas. So that's our uh, synopsis of the book there. Let's talk about it. Let's break this thing down. How about the story, the beats, the narrative, dialogue, all of that? Uh, so, Bob, what did you think about the beats here? Because I'm going to go off and say it's a little, again, I felt this was a little long. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt a little too long, in my opinion. I get that it's a one shot in this universe. So he had like, you know, a story to tell and needed to tell it from uh, beginning to end. But it a lot of it seemed kind of pointless to me. Um we're going back and forth a lot, uh, showing a lot of stuff happening at the convention and everything, kind of fleshing out that convention, which is is good in my opinion. But we also got a lot of back and forth and a lot of misdirects, and I feel like a, a little bit too much misdirect. Like yeah, kind of suffered yeah, from that. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you on there. There, I mean, I know I know what it was going for, but yeah, it it just seemed like a little too misdirection yeah heavy yeah i i agree with that um yeah i think that the the beats as far as it going from from point a to point b it it took a long time to get there i like the comic within the comic thing um showing yeah yeah, the origin there and everything but yeah for for it to be uh based on this fictionalized brother or whatever and coming out with that i don't even understand what the purpose of that was uh why not why why even say that Uh, was it like another uh, personality for for alex or, or what i'm not too sure i don't know exactly yeah, they, got, they kind of left, they kind of left that very ambiguous yeah it was odd uh definitely odd uh storytelling there um so how about the narrative then how about the narrative of this whole thing <laughs> again like the narrative is a little See, yeah, janky and I'm, yeah and i mean you got to kind of break it down into two different narratives because yeah. you get the um Nightmare Keeper, aka uh, the Crypt Keeper, yep. narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then you get, you know, what ha- what happened in the accident. That narrative. Yep. And then it, you know, finally goes into Alex's narrative. Yeah, and I think Alex's narrative. If if I can focus on that one for a second, it's it's kind of Alex is suffering. You know. Because I, I, I'm guessing, you know, it doesn't really talk about anything before this, but I'm guessing, you know, Alex is obviously upset because he's not, you know, rich like he should be off of this project. Obviously, everybody's really into it. It's really popular. Um, there's conventions for it. And you, know, all that. You, you know, honestly, and not to cut you off. No, please. But you know what Alex's story kind of reminded me of? Mm-hmm. I can't remember the title of the movie, but it had Johnny Depp mm-hmm. as writer. And uh, John Turturro was an imaginary, you know, author that he stole his ideas from. Yeah, it's like something garden or something. The secret yeah. window. The secret, yeah, secret window. window. Yes, there, yes, I remember. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That reminds me of the character of Alex. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's interesting because it's like it's basically saying you know his brother doesn't exist, but you know maybe in his head he does. I, I'm not, I'm not too sure. It was left a little too open to interpretation there, but um. But yeah, if, if we just want to focus on Alex for a second, Alex's story here, the, the story is that Alex is is 
kind of, you know, upset, disgruntled, whatever, that he's not, you know, a millionaire based off this character, which, you know, he should be, sure. Um, I'm not understanding, like, has he been murdering people the whole time dressed as Red Murder? Um, did it just start happening right now? Like, right. I felt like that kind of should have been addressed. Like, is is this a brand new thing? He has this insatiable thirst for blood, and he created the character in the early 2000s, so has he been picking people off this whole time, or... And just nobody's noticed. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm just not too sure what's going on. I felt like, you know, maybe instead of opening with all of that, maybe we could have opened with, like, you know, uh, unexplained murders taking place or whatever. I, I'm, I'm not too sure, but it felt like something was, you know, missing there, I guess, is, is all I can say. Uh, right, and, it, and he's, you know, he's, that is his wife, correct? Yeah, I believe so, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, after all these years, his wife hasn't noticed anything? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah you know, exactly. him drinking blood or, uh-huh. you know, anything like that? Yeah, it, it would it would seem it would seem so. I don't know. So, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's just I don't want to say there are plot holes in this book, mm-hmm. but you know, and I mean, unfortunately, with with it being a one shot, so I mean, those quote plot holes aren't going to be you know addressed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll never probably go back to this in in any way at all. Uh, so then the dialogue, the dialogue worked for me. Yeah, the dialogue, the dialogue was fine. Yeah, the dialogue was okay. Uh, there was, there was not really any problems there. I do, I always appreciate like a, like a creepy, like narrator in these like horror anthology type of books. I, I will, I will say early on, and I know it's supposed to be meta to where it's supposed to be, you know, a comic book. This is a comic book you know, telling a comic book story, mm-hmm. but that, uh, that character of his boss, Stutz, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, his dialogue just seemed a little, I don't want to say cheesy, Yeah. but it just, I don't know, for me it didn't work. Yeah, there, there was, there was definitely some odd stuff here yeah the 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 comic within the comic was was odd which um, i mean i mean I'll, I'll admit i mean this book reminded me of a like a 90s early 2000s slasher film <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much did um which you know that's what they're going for good for them um uh, what about the world building how did you feel about the world building here um, i mean the world building you did i mean you know we didn't really get too many locations i mean we got you yeah. know Horrorcon, you know, we got the, um, you know, interview room. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got we got the uh, group meetup. Yep. So, I mean, I thought the world building, you know, did what it should. I mean, it, yeah, I, I thought it was fine, too. I, I, I will say, you know, out of all the things that I really liked in this book, the comic within the comic was a cool addition. Yep. The um, I like that it kind of took place at this convention mm-hmm. and, and it kind of stayed there. Uh, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's different, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of lost opportunity here. There's a lot of different ways it could have gone. Um, I, I felt the world building was okay enough. Uh, so how about the art then? The art, uh, again, Adam Gorham. Uh, let's talk about the character designs. Uh, how did you feel Adam executed those? <laughs> you know, and, Especially the red murder outfit. 
Mm-hmm. I so got kick-ass vibes. <laughs> yeah, it's like really like kind of just put together. Yeah, yeah. that 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 just you know homemade kind of outfit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I definitely I don't know if you got the same thing. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. I saw the outfit and I'm like, boy, that looks familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I will say this. I think that the art is is good here. It. Um, it fits the tone of the book well. Definitely the characters, mm-hmm. the character art is good. I I think it almost at certain points looks a little unfinished sometimes um, or, or not fully realized, I guess. But but I do like it. I think that it, it is good. Uh, maybe it was, you know, kind of a rush job or something. But um, but I do feel like this artist is like very, very capable of character design. It looks right. Definitely looks like mm-hmm. it. Um I, I, I like how he kind of individualizes everybody too because a lot of these characters could kind of just look the same um, but he individualizes them with like you know there's a lot of details uh, like on their hair and stuff like that different haircuts different hairlines and stuff that they have uh, facial hair and things like that so um, so yeah I, I feel like he's pretty pretty good at that what about the backgrounds uh, I'm, there's a lot of lack thereof <laughs> honestly there, uh, yeah, there, there is. I can't, I can't exactly say this is the best background work that I've seen, but yeah, I mean, for the kind, for the kind of book it is, mm-hmm. I think it works. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely works. Um, you know, I mean, if if it were, you know, any other kind of book, like uh, last week when we reviewed Wonder Woman, if mm-hmm. the backgrounds were, you know, this rough and this unfinished, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. But you know, being that this is supposed to be a slasher book, I think it works. Yeah, we we need to focus on those characters mm-hmm. and then the blood and all of that. Right, so yeah, right. it definitely works here. Not not too big on the background details. Uh, the locations then we kind of already talked about. There's not a whole lot of them. Just uh, I don't know. A lot of times I don't even really know where we are. <laughs> uh, it's not really labeled in any way or anything like that. But um, I I feel like you know everything that's that's pointed out works fine like the the studio room for the podcasting the convention um the locations that take place in the comic within the comic and then the the uh, nightmare keepers like little lair and everything mm-hmm. I, I feel like all of those work just fine mm-hmm. and and then last lastly here are the colors again i don't know if we have a separate uh, sorry a separate colorist on this book or not um, I'm not sure of their credit. I, I'm, I'm sure it is. It doesn't look like the uh, artist is the colorist here, but we, we'll find out that information now. Uh, Colored by Francesco Sagala with assistance by Gloria Martinelli. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. So there's two colorists. Uh, maybe maybe a different colorist for the comic within the comic or the or the nightmare keepers right which which kind of makes sense because as you're reading this book you know it does look like there's two different at least colors Mm -hmm. because i mean you got you got like sepia monotone colors but like for the uh nightmare keeper you have these more muted like Mm -hmm. blues and you know such so yeah it, it makes sense as there's uh there's two different art styles yeah, definitely. Yeah, it works fine in this book. Um, so, so yeah, uh, I feel like 
all of that works fine. I feel like if I kind of had to really break this book down and review it or, or recommend it to somebody or whatever, I would say this, you know, it's definitely not R.L. Stein's most creative work at all. Um, it's not that interesting to me. It was, uh, I don't even feel like there was much of a concept here. Again, you talked about the secret window and, and stuff like that. I feel like I've heard the story a million times before. Uh, or something very similar to this. Like it almost has like a, yeah, like a, a, a secret window, a fight club type of thing to it. Um, it just wasn't a huge surprising reveal or anything for me. My recommendation is if if you're a 90s slasher film fan, mm -hmm. if that floats your boat, read this comic. It's definitely fine. I'll give it that. Like there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's fine. It's not groundbreaking or earth shattering, but not everything needs to be. If you just want some uh, fun blood for like your Halloween season, I mean, this definitely has that in there. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing wrong with it at all. Um, I don't know that I feel very justified in paying the $7.99 cover price for it. Uh, maybe maybe look for it in some discount bins if your shop has some left over. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like it's fine. Now, here's the real question and the tricky question because this isn't an ongoing is this enough for you to recommend the next issue that's coming out, Sleigh Ride? I don't think so, just because... And, uh, I mean, we've read a lot of horror comics. Mm -hmm. you yeah, know, definitely. Um, over, over the last few months. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm definitely a fan of, ho of the horror genre Yep. now. But, to me, this just didn't have, like, an, oh my god, I gotta see you know what the next one is yeah i think back to something like uh limitations that we that we did for or limitation i can't remember limitation yeah uh that we did from oni press that, that colin bunn did and mm -hmm. like i don't even know where our expectations were for that one but i remember it being such an underground comic there wasn't any like real hype behind it or anything right. it's just the, the only thing about it was colin bunn. yeah colin bunn's name and then i mean i i love oni press from you know like uh, certain things that they've done in the past before like the clerks books and stuff but um but yeah there there wasn't much hype or excitement or anything said about it um but but we cracked open that first issue and we we're just like damn this is this is a cool story this yeah. is uh, a unique story and they're they're telling something and and in like this weird world and, and everything or I, one of our personal favorite where monsters lie yeah yeah exactly i mean where it, it was kind of like you get done with the first issue Damn, I gotta wait a month for the next issue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we didn't want that thing to end. And this, uh, again, it's fine. Like, it's fine. It's safe. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's like reading a Batman book or whatever. If you want to read a Batman but book, I mean, it's fine. But I mean, there's just nothing, you know, oh my God, this is, you know, such a great comic. Yeah. And, and I hate to say this because, you know, R.L. Stein, like, again, a big part of, like, at least my childhood, uh, you know, waiting for those Goosebumps books to come out and waiting for the Scholastic School Fair every every time it came around so I could pick up and more. And, and this uh, this does. this. I mean, you know, you could say this is a more adult Goosebumps story. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's obviously R.L. Stein's kind of wheelhouse there is to... It's not to be, like, super innovative or, like, create something brand new or something with, like, this huge twist in it. It's just to kind of tell a creepy story, like, in a world that exists or whatever. So... Mm -hmm. Um, if that's what R.L. Stein was going for, I think he executed here fine. Um, I don't see any problem with it. And there were some fun little things in there, like the comic within the comic and the paying homage to like the Crypt Keeper type of thing. So 
it's it's a fine read. I don't have a lot bad to say about it. I don't have a lot good to say about it. It's just a it's it's fine. Yeah, I get, I get done reading this book and I'm like, okay, this was pretty good. Yep, I, I agree. Now I will be picking up the uh, sleigh ride uh, one shot that comes out in December, just because you know I obviously I love campy stuff like that. The uh, the uh, horror uh, Christmas time stuff is kind of fun to me. So. I'll pick it up and check it well, out. Well, and it, yeah, I may I may be picking up that that issue too because, you know, just for the simple fact that um, I recently, as recently I'd say, you know, a, a few months ago, I watched that movie Violent Night. <laughs> okay. Where David Harbour did play the murdering Santa Claus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and which is yeah, super fun. So um, which again. Is is campy. Yep. Yeah. Campy campy fun nonsense. So right. um so yeah, that's uh me and Bob's review on the book. Uh you figure it out yourself. Check it out. Don't whatever whatever you think. But it's RL Stein, so uh we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to the all new all different number one comics podcast. We have a very, very special guest interview with us today. We, of course, have uh, Karina Vecco on, who is a comic book writer who's been nominated for Eisner and Hugo Awards, as well as a New York Times bestseller and an ex-zookeeper with a zoology degree and a general badass who's also a fossil preparator. So um, you're like just uh, a super badass person, if, if, if you don't mind me saying. Just got your hands in all kind of buckets there. but. Uh, Really, really cool stuff. Hey, Karina, welcome on. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to us. Oh, thank you for having me on. I really am looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, greatly appreciate it all over here. But um, yeah, uh, of, of course, as I said, you've um, you've been in this game for, for a little bit of time, done quite a few things. I want to just mention some of your past work. We're, we're definitely here to talk about your new book, and I'm not going to dig into too much uh, of the past, but I, I do want to just for, you know, credit reasons throw that out there. You've You've written an Avatar book. Uh, you've very famously written on Star Wars Legacy, which I'm, I have to, I have to admit, I am I am so sad. My co-host is not on this interview. He is the hugest Star Wars fan. Like that's his whole life. Um, he's going to be heartbroken whenever he knows that I talked to you and he wasn't on air. But I just couldn't, uh, you know, uh, align us all together at the same time. So, um, so I'll definitely have to like try to sneak in some kind of Star Wars uh, question or something in there for him. Uh, I don't know what it will be, but <laughs> I'm not great at Star Wars lore, but I don't know. I'll, I'll try. Um, also, you uh, have written for um, the television show The Expanse. I'm sorry, you've written a comic book adaptation of The Expanse. Um, you've done Aliens, uh, Vampirella, uh, Angel, and then some some less like franchisey stuff: uh, Invisible Kingdom, Savage Hulk, Green Lantern. Uh, so. So kind of all over the place there. You're you're dipping into sci-fi, into into franchises, into Star Wars, into um, creator-owned stuff, into Savage Hulk and, and Green Lantern. Um, man, that's a <laughs> quite an accomplishment. A, a lot of people, you know, kind of find their footing in like one area or or something that they really like to tell stories in, and it seems like you're a chameleon there. You can kind of just go in into whatever and and make a a really, really good story out of it. I've read a lot of these things. Again, like I'm, I'm not the, no, thank you. Um, I'm not the biggest, 
I don't have a lot of Star Wars knowledge, so to say that I've like read Legacy and understood it uh, would be a lie. But um, <laughs> Alien uh, Vampirella crossover, really, really cool. Love that as well. So, I loved working yeah, on that. That yeah, was actually stuff. one of my favorite um, uh, <laughs> yeah, crossover things awesome. I've ever done. It was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, how, how did that even come about? Did did were you contacted? Did you have like a story put together for that yourself? Uh, no, actually, uh, my editor wanted to do, he just really thought that would be a great crossover and made a lot of sense and had mm -hmm. me pitch a couple of different ideas like, oh, what do you think would work? And that's the one they chose. <laughs> and I just was like, at first I was like, what, what now? But actually mm -hmm. Alien is one of my favorite, like top three favorite movies of all time. So I was yeah. like, I don't, I'll make this work. I'll make it work. And uh <laughs> I, he went for it, so I was very lucky. <laughs> yeah, a, a really cool, unique story. Uh, again, like some some really cool stuff in there. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't want to you know harp too much on on your past stuff. That some really really awesome stuff, some really big accomplishments, some uh, you know award nominated stuff and everything. Let's talk about your new project. I'm really so excited about this. This is the space between. This is uh, coming out from Boom Studios on November first i think yes right? that's right yeah no, okay, cool. it seems it's sneaking up on me it's such a i know it's coming right up yeah <laughs> all of a sudden it's out in the world and like what happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's your baby and now it can grow and, and be out exactly. in the world but <laughs> yeah um i yeah uh I, okay at your level at somebody at your level you know you've, you've written quite a few things um things that people really really care about uh some some you know, books that some people's favorite books, you know, some really awesome stuff that you've accomplished there are, do you have to pitch anything to Boom? Did you just kind of email them or walk in and say, hey, I'm here and I, uh, I, I have a story, so let's get going. <laughs> oh, I wish it was that easy. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I definitely pitched this. I had uh, an editor there who he's actually moved on now, but so this kind of went through several different people, but it had been an idea and I talked to him about it a little bit. We developed it a little bit and then it kind of went to somebody else and it had to go through the marketing department to see if, oh, is there an audience? And um, eventually they're like, yeah, we think there's some people that might enjoy this. And when I first, very first had the idea for this, um, generation ships were something nobody would touch because there had just been, uh, what is that one, Passengers? The one that everybody hates, the film. And um, nobody wanted to deal with generation ships for a couple of years after that. But uh, I guess it's been long enough now. And this is a very different story from that. So mm -hmm. um, they did eventually um, hook me up with an editor who's just incredible. And um, then after that, I ended up also working with way back when I started in comics, I uh, co-wrote some Planet of the Apes books. Yeah, mm -hmm. and my editor on uh, that has now become a group editor, and is oversees tons of projects at Boom. So, it was really cool to have her in on these meetings and be like, "Oh, it's we can reminisce about apes, but here's a brand new thing." And uh, of course, that's in a sort of poly sci-fi space, if you will, where <laughs> it's politics but it's science fiction. And my new book is also that, so it's sort of a nice homecoming at Boom for me. Yeah, and Boom is, you know, like you said, they're Boom is such a cool publisher. They're putting out some really like kind of groundbreaking stuff. Um, oh. I, I, yeah, I mean, you look at you know stuff like something is killing the children. <laughs> I mean, there's just a really, 
really cool stuff out there at Boom Studios and some really, really good creators who've, who, uh, you know, taken projects like, you know, in the past it would have landed somewhere, you know, maybe Dark Horse or Image or something like that. Now there's this whole new avenue, you know, that that Boom is able to put out and, and really get out there in the comic book shops and uh, working uh, really closely with, uh, you know, creators to get like high incentive covers out there and everything too. So there's a lot of uh, a reason to go pick up a Boom book. But um, yeah, it's got to be awesome working with Boom. I, I, lo I love that publisher. They're they're doing such really cool stuff. Um, and then the the... Oh, okay, help me with this. You say that it's the generation spaceship. I, I for some reason in my notes I'm, I'm typing generational, but um, I guess that's I mean, kind that of works too. Close there enough, are right? but, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> generational spaceship, sure. But yeah. um, yeah, it's that's such a cool concept, and and at especially at this time, you know, this place and time that we're in, it's it's almost like I, I don't want to say it's it's something that you know we're looking at happening, like you know, probably in our lifetime, but you know, it, it's right down the pipe. Like at, at some point that's going to happen. It's, it's most likely going to be a reality. You know, at some point uh, people are going to have to leave this planet if, if the, um, you know, human race still exists uh, at a certain point in time, or whatever, and the planet's uninhabitable or whatever. Uh, so it, it's a really cool concept to, to be working with there and, and kind of explore. And, and then on top of that, you're stacking like the social class element to it, which is, I, I, that's some of my favorite storytelling right there. I love whenever we get into different social classes and how they interact and how they're, they treat one another and how those relationships are formed and everything. And that's like the thesis of this comic uh, kind of, it seems like you're really going into those relationships and the different classes and everything, social classes interacting there on the ship. Uh, it's, it's a really unique way to tell the story and, and how did it come about for you to tell the story this way? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I'd had uh, I've always been really interested in generation ships, and even when we were working on Invisible Republic, it's which is about mm -hmm. a different planet and and yep. uh, things that have happened there. I figured probably the original way people got there were generation ships, mm -hmm. and we talked about that some. But then um, as time went on, I thought you know I bet there's some really interesting stories to tell on those ships because it's a closed system. The yep. people that are the first generation chose to be there after that. You don't choose to be there. You yeah. don't want to necessarily be there. And um, but what do you do? Of course, not everybody chooses to be born into wherever they're born into here. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot more um, strictures and just um, ways that things should have to happen on there just to keep everything functioning. I thought that was a really interesting space to talk about revolutions and interpersonal relationships, how does work get done, and just how do you keep it from devolving into chaos? So the idea formed, oh, over multiple generations, you would have multiple revolutions. And I read a lot of research about how these things would actually happen in, like if you actually planned a generation ship, you'd almost have to plan in space for revolutions and for changes in thinking and for new paradigms in how people dealt with problems. And if you didn't do that, it would probably fail within two generations. But if mm -hmm. you did that too much and you had too much freewheeling, like people without jobs or whatever, and people that were bored, what do they do? It's not like they can go off exploring, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's an interesting, um, I, th I think it's a really interesting space to tell all sorts of stories in. Yeah, definitely. And 
you know, one of the questions that I had about that was the way that you're telling the story is, again, like very unique. You're, you're taking the the generation ship, you're taking those social classes, you're you're kind of intermingling them with, with one another. Uh, and then on top of that, the, the way that these issues are going to come out, it's, it's a four part. Am I correct? Mm -hmm, four part. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah, plan to four part. Um, so so each one of these issues that comes out is going to tell a different kind of tale from from a different generation, you know, uh, of people on this generation ship, which is just, I, I can't imagine anybody but you telling the story this way. Uh, it, yeah, it's like anybody else would have done like you know their their Titanic or Romeo and Juliet, whatever, <laughs> whatever would follow this you know singular couple or whatever, but. Um, but you have decided, no, let's go through, you know, the, the generations here and tell different stories of how they interact and what happens and everything. And, and that's uh, just, again, like a really cool, unique concept, uh, something that I'm really, really looking forward to. It's just a different way to tell the story here and not, uh, not to say that, you know, uh, anything like this has been done to the point where it's going to be stale anyways, because it's a pretty fresh topic. But, uh, but on top of that, you're just making it a very unique experience for the reader. So uh did you find that more challenging to write it that way? Is it? <laughs> yeah, it actually, um, once I got into it, I was like, oh no, what have I done? Because, <laughs> yeah, you opened a door. <laughs> oh man, every time you, um, you know, if you're writing, a, I, I do a lot of, like you mentioned, franchise work, like mm -hmm. Avatar or whatever, but that world, Cameron built that world and you're yep. using characters, even if you have new characters, you kind of know everything else about how they're rea reacting and what the world is like. But when you're building your own world, you build it and then you have your characters and you set them on, you know, uh, and often they do things that surprise you. But in this, oh, guess what? It's a slightly new world every time. But the repercussions mm -hmm. of what's happened last time are there. However, they may have happened in ways that you don't expect, you know, the fallout from, you know, whatever that's happened before my lifetime, like the moon landing, for instance. Mm -hmm we feel those repercussions in ways that probably the people who were involved in that wouldn't have expected. And maybe they'd expect, oh, well, by now we would have gone to Mars and we would have yep. gone, <laughs> I would have wanted that, but uh, we didn't. So, I, but we're going back to the moon, but you know, things like that, that happen in ways that I think that people don't expect. So once I got into writing each of these four stories and like by the second issue, we're with the grandchildren of the people in the first issue and how they view history versus how their grandparents who were there view it. And neither of them is wrong because the kids are seeing the fallout and it's very real to them. But the grandparents are like, yeah, but that's not quite what happened. And then you get into this whole thing of does it matter what exactly happened or do the ways that it, it worked out in the end matter more? And does it matter who the real hero was? And does it matter intent? And sometimes it really matters. <laughs> but how people choose to deal with that, I think, is what's interesting. Yeah. And and again, this is I, I know this is going to be such a unique perspective that you're offering here through this story. I, I imagine I I'm going to think it's going one way and that's the hope <laughs> it's, it's, it's going somewhere else yeah <laughs> i can i i can i can only imagine i'm i'm really looking forward to reading it sounds like uh su such a cool story uh you talked about you know kind of playing in, in other people's worlds you know sometimes whenever you're doing like the the franchise stuff or the the pre-existing stuff uh do you prefer sorry prefer to like conjure up your own world here um or or is it 
more fun like playing in, in a world that already exists and existing characters like do you have a preference either either way you know it's funny um they're so different uh i love to write my own stuff but of course mm -hmm. that doesn't always pay the bills <laughs> sure <laughs> so i'm always very honored when somebody wants me to work in their world i'm working on something really exciting right now that hasn't been announced yet that i am just loving doing but um of course, I'd also love to get some more things going that were my personal story to tell. And mm -hmm. comics are so magical. Like I've been working with, um, Boom actually put me together with the artist on The Space Between. I wasn't familiar with Danny Luckert's um, art before this, but somehow my words, how he's translated them into art I'm getting to know this world that I thought I knew, like <laughs> in such a different way. Mm -hmm. And that is so exciting to me. Like I just, every time I see his art and there's a ton of animals in this, cause of course my background's in zoology. Yep. And I feel like a lot of times when people deal with science fiction, it's a very sterile world. It's not, you know, maybe there's a dog if you're lucky mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. or like avatar, there's another world, but the, the, the creatures belong to that new world. They're very, they're, they're there to be exotic. Mm -hmm. And I felt like he really gets like the expressions on the animals and the way that even, you know, the cats are, are actually characters, just even if they're in one frame. And it's a whole thing I hadn't. And I feel like that is a magic I don't get in licensed books because I kind of expect how it's going to work. Mm -hmm. And the art has to deal with... Um, it has to look a certain way and it has to go through that filter and the writing has to, which is, of course it has to, you want it to feel like the world of that. But when it's your own world and especially in comics and you write a whole world and then you get to see that world and it's better than you expected. There's nothing that beats that. That was a really long answer to that question, but I'm very passionate about it. So. <laughs> oh, no, no, please uh, answer as long as you feel for any of the questions. <laughs> that's that's what the people love to hear. They'd much rather hear you talk than hear me uh, ask a question for 10 minutes. Absolutely. I don't know. I think they're, they're tuning in for you. So <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Uh, well, I appreciate that. But no, absolutely. They're here for you. But uh, yes. Um, I, again, like you're you're working with Danny, and that was one of the questions I had down the line. So I'll I'll kind of like try to combine it into one. But yeah, I definitely did want to talk about the creative team of you and Danny, and 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 how that happened. But you said boom, teamed you guys up. Uh, Danny, I think the last thing I can recall Danny being on is the the ongoing Ghost Lord that he's doing with Colin Bunn, uh, yes. which is. And I had seen yeah, that, phenomenal. I, like, I mean, amazing. But I was just like passingly like. I had seen it, sure. I had read it, but I hadn't like, I'd never actually like met him at a con. Well, uh -huh. there's been so few cons since uh, the pandemic. Well, sure. there's been yeah. cons, so few cons. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> but yeah, his work was just like on that. It's like fantastic. Yeah, and it's it's Red almost Mother, like he's- um, Red, Red Mother is what- uh, Oh yeah, Red Mother. Wow, that's that's an intense book too. <laughs> yeah, really, really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, he, he's he's just able to show off like how versatile he is and everything. Just seeing like the little bit. There's not much out there that I've seen, you know, on on Boom site or or anything like that, Bleeding Cool or whatever. But like you know, little like covers or a preview here or there. Not even like a full page preview, maybe a panel or so of, of the space between. But um, 
just just judging by you know kind of what's out there i'm really really looking forward to the art in this book and how it complements your storytelling and how you guys build this whole thing together and build it on the generation ship and everything um <laughs> it's got to be very character focused i i would imagine um you know you're you're on a ship which is I, I assume huge in scope, uh, you know, it's a big ship for, for multiple, multiple generations to be on and everything, but, but still you're, you're there on a ship. So that's our, our setting. And, and we have a lot to do with the characters I would imagine. Uh, I don't know how much of the ships explored, but, uh, but with you writing, I, I'm, I'm sure a pretty good amount of it is, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. It, we try to, to, I mean, there's always more to do, but in four, issues there's not as much as mm -hmm. um uh you would hope kind of like uh sure. after you start building these things it goes so much further than you would ever like mm -hmm. oh well wait a minute how do they do this well they have to get food but that means this but then the for the vitamin you know like there are so many levels to what <laughs> you would actually need for this sort of thing so um it was it's a challenge to make all of that as a world and then what do you actually need in the story but mm -hmm. you still need all of that for the background so uh that's always like oh i want to show people everything and of course we can't yep. and poor danny no <laughs> you know I don't want to. <laughs> like some of the things i threw at him were kind of crazy but he's like oh well how about i one up this so <laughs> i was trying to remember exactly the name of what um I'm afraid that I probably said wrong which uh, thing he worked on before. I was just trying to look here and make sure that I got it right. I know he's done like covers for Ghost Rider and things like that, but um, mm -hmm. I don't want to give him not his due. So. <laughs> oh sure, sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's. I mean, e either way, you know, who everybody listening. I mean, you're familiar with Dan. Yeah, oh, outstanding. <laughs> so like, you just have to pick them up. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. They they look almost tactile. Yes. Yeah. Some amazing like that's stuff. something I really like about his art too. It feels, I want to like reach into the frame and um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just got some art that had some dogs in it. It's like, I, I would like to pet that dog. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I can only imagine. And, and on top of that, you know, looking through, uh, you know, some of your past work and everything, the uh, Invisible Republic and, and uh, Savage Hulk, Green Lantern, all that. And then your licensed stuff up. Uh, you've been very very fortunate i mean uh, again like you, your your level of writing is up here so i would only assume you would get teamed up with really outstanding artists oh, as well you. but uh yeah no but you've um you've always worked with such incredible artists you know i, I there's not really a, yeah i mean i there's not really a project i can think of where not only is the art really really good and complements the storytelling and everything but you guys just connect on on this level you know so wonderfully because a lot of times unfortunately, you know, we'll go through the podcast and we'll review a first book or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, sometimes we're like, Hey, the story was outstanding. The art was good, but it didn't compliment it or, or, you know, vice versa or whatever. And uh, of course, you know, art is subjective. So I'm never going to say like an artist is bad really, but, uh, <laughs> but, but to say, you know, I don't think that the, the writing and the narrative and then the illustration work together, I feel comfortable saying that sometimes, but, Again, it doesn't even seem like anything you really had to suffer from, uh, which is really cool. Right? I've been I've been really so <laughs> lucky. Like I've always worked with um, really terrific people, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of it too, I think, is um, just if you end up 
working on things that you really love and are passionate about, often you'll get paired with people who also feel that way. And yes, mm -hmm. I feel like that helps a lot. Like I've not ever, there's been a couple of projects where I've been approached and they've been like, oh, would you want to do this? And it hasn't happened very often, but occasionally if I feel like I don't have a good feeling for the character or for the world, I will pass on something just because I feel mm -hmm. like fans of that deserve better. And I think that that helps a lot to um, be upfront about that. And then that way you'll get paired with people who feel similarly. And that really helps. Yeah. And uh, again, like you, you just, you've had such uh, cool uh, illustrators work with you through, throughout all of this, which is really, really awesome. Um, something that I want to ask that's a little, I don't know. I don't know if it's off topic. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but uh, it has to do with the book, of course. But um now for me, like space is, is terrifying. Space travel is terrifying. How do you feel? <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on that kind of thing? Are you intrigued by it? If, if someone asked you, you know, would you gladly jump on a generation ship uh, given the opportunity? <laughs> um, actually, I think you're completely correct. And, you know, there's a reason NASA says space is hard. Mm -hmm. And what that actually means is space wants to kill you. You know, yeah. just full oh, yeah. stop. Space wants to kill you. Uh, humans are not designed to live in space and mm -hmm. anything you do in space is just one second away from horrible disaster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I would probably say no, unless there was no other choice. Like I wouldn't want, I'm, I'm very much in love with the earth and the biosphere and the life here. So I don't think I would want to leave that forever. If there mm -hmm. was a way to do space tourism and I could, Go see Europa. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but I wouldn't want to leave forever because there's a lot of cool stuff on the earth. And um, mm -hmm. I really enjoy uh, just everything here that has to do with life and how it evolves. And I work with fossils in my day job. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's no fossils on a ship. I'd be very unhappy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't have that that go-to uh, that you could really, you know, that brings you a lot of joy that you'd be able to work with uh, day exactly. in and day out. Um, uh, again, uh, really cool. Uh, we mentioned that at the the top of the interview here. Uh, you get to deal with fossils all the time. Uh, again, that's that's a. I mean, you brought it up, so I feel okay uh, <laughs> sidetracking for just a second. But um, but uh, that I, I assume, you know. Uh, comes from you know somewhere with your zoology degree and all of that uh, you've got some <laughs> some experience in, in, in some of that stuff um how did, are, are you able to translate any of that like over to your writing like do you ever bring any of that in um yeah I really do try to bring at least some feeling of grounded like I I really like science I like space mm -hmm. science I like biological sciences and I just like that way of knowing like it's interesting because you can be wrong mm -hmm. and i love it that you can be wrong and um that i try to bring into um that feeling like that we're trying you know i feel like that's such <laughs> a human endeavor like we're trying hard and we might fail but mm -hmm. we're gonna try and that's what a lot of us doing science is and getting into the fossil stuff i do have a background in zoology like i said but and i've been um i've done lots of things with living animals but i always really wanted to get into paleontology. And my yeah. earliest memory, I was three years old at the Smithsonian Museum and just crying because my parents said I had to go home and we couldn't see any more dinosaurs. <laughs> uh -huh. 
<laughs> so I think some of that feeling, like my my feeling about that sort of science is one of awe. Like the natural world is amazing and discovering things is amazing. And I try to put that feeling into a lot of my writing. I don't know if I always succeed, but that's what I hope to bring to it. That feeling of, yeah, things might suck, but my gosh, the world is beautiful. You know, that's mm -hmm. <laughs> something that I really, I really believe. And I have written some books for young people that are like, I wrote, I co-wrote a book called Smithsonian Dig It Dinosaurs that was <laughs> about dinosaurs. And it it's mm -hmm. not fiction. It's about real dinosaurs. And it came with a little block that you can dig a little tiny fossil out of. <laughs> that's <And> so cool. <laughs> so I've done some stuff like that. That was so much fun. Yeah. But I like to try to bring that into um, pretty much anything I write. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's, that's just awesome. I, I can't imagine, you know, being able to put out a piece of media out there like that, that, that ties in all the stuff that you love, you know, you're able to write, you're able to have like a little, you know, piece of, you know, paleontology or whatever in there. I'm with you. I remember uh, growing up and, and my parents taking me to see uh, Jurassic Park as a little kid, oh, yeah. and, you know, for the next like 10 years, I was like, nope, I don't, I don't want to do anything else. I just want to dig up dinosaur bones, screw, screw everything else that's happening. But uh, it, it yeah, took uh, me a long time to get there. But now I've been out on maybe, I guess, seven digs. Wow. And that is some hard work, but it's just as cool as you think it would be. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, yeah, like you said, you're putting in the work. I mean, it's it's not easy, but it's got to be so rewarding. Uh Whatever oh, you nothing like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, just otherworldly. I can't even imagine at all. Just very, very cool. And and again, so cool that you, you you've accomplished all these things. You know, you've done a Thank lot you. of things that a lot of people can't say that they've done. Um, you're you're scripting comic books, you've you've written uh, you know, actual books, uh, you're you've got a zoology degree, <laughs> you're an ex-zookeeper, you're yeah, just so, so awesome. So awesome to be able to, to, to sit here and talk to you through all this really cool stuff. Um, Had a crazy uh, life. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> a very cool life. Um, and now, I'm sorry to do this, but you have to tell me this movie. Sorry, this 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 comic book here is like perfect for for a movie or television adaptation. It's got <laughs> it like written all over it. So uh, excuse me for doing this. Um, and it's fine if you don't have an answer, but... <laughs> Uh, given the inevitable that this thing comes out and, and 500 studios are hitting you up with giant blank checks. And oh, they're like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anyone you could see cast in any role? I mean, you don't have to reveal the role or anything, but is there any, any, anyone you could see cast in this? You know, it's funny. I've privately just um, had this conversation with uh, some people just because a lot of people who have read the, the first issue like ahead of time, had mm -hmm. very strong ideas about this. Really? <laughs> I kind of don't because to me, they live in this space that's sort of all potential. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm sorry that I don't have a very good answer, but um, I feel like probably the person that would be best for one of these roles, like the, um, like I know that there's some probably like, uh, occasionally I will watch something like a Bollywood thing where there's uh -huh. somebody who crosses over and like the uh, main character in the first issue, I picture her as being um, very small, um, probably has ancestry from the Indian subcontinent. I'm like, I bet there's somebody that I have seen in something that has a ton of energy and is just a young and up and coming person that I probably am 
too ignorant to even know who the greatest people for this role, would be, you know, because <laughs> I just I work a lot and I have two jobs and I never um, get as much time as I'd like to keep up on stuff. So I bet that the perfect person is standing right there going hi and I have no idea. So. Hey, I, I don't blame you. I mean, that's what, uh, you know, uh, casting and directors and all of that are for so uh you know yep. definitely definitely not anything we we ever have to worry about but um right, right. But, well well given given everything you do i don't know i mean you might one day but um but <laughs> i mean yeah. i wouldn't say no but on the other hand <laughs> yeah, exactly. um i just i really love writing prose and i love writing comics and i feel like um screenplays are such a different animal and i have friends sure. that, that work in television and uh gosh they work so much harder than me i don't know if i could do it <laughs> Yeah, those I, I can imagine those deadlines. I mean, uh, of course, you know, publishing uh, books and comics also has you know very strict deadlines and everything that you have to work with as well. But uh, I can imagine you know the that entertainment side of it, you know, where where something you know has to come out at it, or, or your part of it has to come out at this specific time, so so your sides can go to these people and, and blah 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 and everything. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. I, it seems, seems it, crazy. it seems like the <laughs> Very hard to deal with. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, crazy stuff. Um, well, I, I think the last question I'm going to ask you again, I don't want to take up too much of your time. So I, I've passed the 30 minute mark here. So I want to let you get on with your day. But but please, if, if you can name a comic or storyline or anything that you suggest our listeners go out and, and pick up or read, or it can be, uh, you know, one of yours or somebody else's that you really dig or whatever. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I should have come <laughs> prepared with a book to hold up. But I guess since this is not on um, camera, it's okay. So yeah, exactly. Nobody has to um, see. <laughs> a thing I just read that I really loved was The Night Eaters. Oh, wow. Okay. The uh, Marjorie Liu. Mm -hmm. and, uh, gosh, who was the, um, now I'm going to have to, uh, Sonic <laughs> Takeda? Is that right? Did I, my, oh, yes. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Did I, um, I hope I remembered that right. Oh my gosh, I love the art and I, I'm trying to pull this out of my head. But mm -hmm. uh, gosh, that book was, I read it um, right before I went on vacation and I just thought about it my entire vacation. I was like, oh, yeah. I cannot wait to read the second volume. And um, it has, it's very much unlike what I've been talking to you about today, but that's <laughs> part of why I loved it. Yeah, some, some cool, unique stuff out there. Uh, I have the same problem sometimes. I'll I'll take a week off or whatever, and and you know I've just read a comic. Uh, I don't know if you read the Cole by Kelly Thompson or not yet, but um, oh, yeah. I can't get it out of my brain. Like it just yes. it won't leave. I just I I'm like the whole world and what's going to happen next and everything. It's it's all I can think about sometimes. And I'm like, this is not good. This is probably bad. And I, <laughs> and I think about this this comic book as much as I do. But um, <laughs> oh, but but oh my gosh, if any author or creator is like, oh, thank you. Yes, please think about it more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, some really cool stuff out there. But but look, I, I know that's going to be, uh, you know, one of our next uh, interview answers. Um, you know, one of the next people we have on here in the future after the space between comes out is going to be talking about this book the same way. So uh, oh, I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, really looking forward to this. Well, the last thing I want to say, you know, especially to the audience here is, again, the space between number one published by Boom Studios going to hit comic book shops November 1st. So please, for the love of God, make sure that you have your uh, orders in pre-FOC and ask your comic book shop to add it to your pool. 
you're going to want at the very least like two copies of this thing, you know, one to make sure you don't touch go get CGC graded, whatever, uh, hit green up if you see her at a con or whatever and, and get it signed. But, um, but yeah, and some of the, the alternate covers, are, uh, one is by um, David Mack. So. Exactly. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. You got a David Mack cover. So yeah, I mean, I imagine that's gone instantly, but uh, yeah, uh, make sure you guys get that on your pool and make sure you, you order it pre FOC and uh, yeah, Karina, if you have anything else you want to let our listeners know or where to find you on social media or, or anything else you want to plug, please. Um, gosh, social media is so fractured now, but I <laughs> yeah, yeah, at, it is. <laughs> oh man, I am at Corina Becco because my name has an odd spelling. So I'm that at every place I am. So <laughs> blue sky, Instagram, uh, I am kind of got off that bird site that kind of went down but yeah, uh, everything yeah. else I, i'm even on spoutable so i'm easy to find very cool yeah well thank you so much again i really really appreciate your time it's been awesome talking to you and i am thank so you. looking forward to the space between and uh you can look forward to uh email from me the second that it comes out to let you know how amazing i thought it was because that will be coming but <laughs> thank, oh, you. thank you so much yeah, thanks so much for hanging out with us today, and I appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again. Talk to you soon. Bye. And we are back with episode number 38 of the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast. Thanks, by the way, for listening to that uh, Karina Becco interview. Uh, really, really cool stuff. It was really cool talking to her. And again, I'm very sad I didn't have Bob on that interview to talk Star Wars <laughs> with her. But uh, but next time for sure, Bob. Let's... You better have me next time for a Star Wars interview. I uh, know. Um, let's talk about some books that are uh, releasing next week. Let's uh, do that. October fourth, by the way, 2023. <laughs> year of the Bob. Yes, and this is the correct. This is the correct list. <laughs> and as always, you know what time it is. It's disclaimer time with Bob. This is only from one source. So if you'd like a more in-depth list of books coming out next week, please consult elsewhere. <laughs> um, from Image, is it just Image? Yeah. I mean, it might be like Skybound imprint, but yeah, it's, it's Image. Image slash Skybound. Sure. From Image slash Skybound... We have Transformers number one. Wow, we're finally getting Transformers finally. here, published by Image. Uh, the premiere issue, and yeah, it's. I mean, I, I'm stoked. I know you um, are. Yeah, I'm definitely. I'm definitely stoked. Yeah, I'm definitely stoked. Uh, from Marvel, we have Black Panther number five. Have fun saying that name. This has the first appearance of a character that I will never be able to say the it, name of, which is an evil spirit. So. Yeah. I'm going to say Kavuma. Oh, okay. Well, good. I'm glad you said something. <laughs> no, that's probably wrong. <laughs> From DC, we have Justice Society of America, Golden Edition number one. Yeah, nobody knows what this is. It's like a one-shot. Um, oh, it collects... It, sorry. It's collecting issue issues one through three of the hit series. So if you want a uh, collected edition for, I, I guess, only... What four ninety nine? I mean, that's that's pretty good for for three issues. Interesting. From DC, we 
We have DC's Ghouls Just <laughs> Wanna Have Fun number one. Yeah, these are always fun, like the little anthologies they put out for the holidays. Right. This is a Halloween mm-hmm. one. Um, this features Batman, Nightwing, The Question, Crush, uh, Mary Marvel, and Man Bat. So I know all of those characters, but Crush. Yeah, so uh, so we know I'll be picking it up. Um, but yeah, it's got various artists and writers and, and all of that on it. Sticking with DC, we have Birds of Prey number two. Yeah, issue number two of the hit new Birds of Prey series. Uh, got a great variant cover here, a 150 by Otto Schmidt. Looks really, really wonderful. Uh, pick that up. Yes. From Image, we have The Walking Dead Deluxe number one. All right, so this one is is interesting. This is a reprint of The Walking Dead number one in newsprint. See, can you call anything a new <laughs> newsprint? That just, that just sounds weird nowadays. Yeah, it sounds really weird. I mean, newsprint, you know, newsstand, I mean, are they pretty much the same thing? Yeah, I, yeah pretty much. And I mean, newsstands aren't a thing anymore? From Marvel, and this one is very interesting, we have Gods, that's G period, O period, (laughs) D period, S period, number one. Yeah, Gods is finally coming out. We keep seeing the the one-page teasers at the end of like the big Marvel books for Gods. This is, of course, written by Jonathan Hickman, uh, and and yeah, it should be very, very fun, a big crossover. Uh, This... This one has a first appearance of uh, Cubix, sorry, Cube, Cubisk Core, a being of pure Is corruption, <laughs> and the first appearance of I don't know, Centavar of the Centiums. Yeah, close enough. All right, good. Centums. Oh, Centums. Okay. Centums. Almost got the approval from Bob. Almost. Uh, sticking with Marvel, we have Ghost Rider Annual Number One. That's right. Ghost Rider is teaming up with Elsa Bloodstone to battle the Hood. I didn't know the Hood was that big of a villain to where you needed a team up of two of uh, two characters like that to take him down. Yeah, it doesn't seem like. I mean, once you get Ghost Rider in there, why do you need anybody else? Ghost Rider can pretty question. much take care of his own, but... especially with the penance there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. you penance there somebody. I mean, unless they're, you know, unless they're like a, a tombstone or a scarecrow, mm-hmm. you know, imbued with, um, uh, what's the name of the, the broker? Is it the broker? The one character from uh, Danny Catch Ghost Rider? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Imbued with, you know, more power than the penance there is just going to, Kill you. Yeah, exactly. Why not? <laughs> Kill you again. Yeah, very odd. Um, sticking with Marvel, we have a new volume, Star Wars High Republic Shadows of Starlight number one. This is a four-issue limited series that bridges the gap between phase one and phase three of the High Republic and has the first appearance of a character that I would never be able to say the name of. Salil Agra. Sure. And it's got a whole bunch of cool uh, little Jedis on the cover there with uh, holding their lightsabers up. And of course, one of them is Yoda because he's 900 years old when he <laughs> dies. Sure. Uh, that, that, that's a pretty fun cover, though. I'll, I'll give it that. It is. Um, sticking with Marvel, we have Strange Academy slash The Amazing Spider-Man number one. Yeah, the conclusion of a three-part series of one-shots. And then... From Boom Studios, we have Ranger Academy number one. I'm guessing this 
I'm guessing by Ranger Academy, they mean Power Rangers. Yeah, this is an ongoing series introducing the Ranger Academy, preceded by a free comic book day preview. Yeah, uh, new Rangers, an academy of, of Rangers. It Sure, sounds fun. Which, which, just on a side note, apparently they're going to start using a new color oh, okay. for a ranger. Uh, from what I've been reading, they're going to have an orange ranger. Ah, it's, well, it's about time, you know, orange. It's a popular color. And fruit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That about wraps us up. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in. No, Bob, it doesn't, because... Right now, we have to announce the book that we're going to do next week. But <laughs> <laughs> before I make it over there, Bob, I have scoured the entire internet. Okay. Everything from previews, everything from League of Legends. I'm, I'm kind of scared if you've scoured the entire internet <laughs> because there are some parts of the internet you should not go to. Well, I, I'm speaking only comic book related. Okay. Uh, and only comic books that are releasing next week. And only... Uh, Comic books that are, uh, you know, distributed by either uh, <laughs> Diamond, uh, Lunar, Penguin. So, um, yeah, that's that's all I'm speaking of. But there's really not a whole lot to choose from next week. And, Bob, I thought that, you know, we more than owed it to you here on the podcast to make sure that we cover issue number one of Transformers. So that is my pick for next week. We will be talking about Transformers number one. I don't think we'll have a problem picking that up. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I, I was hoping you were picking up a copy anyways, but <laughs> yeah, I, I know you are. <laughs> yes, I'll, 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 I'll definitely have to call my local comic shop <laughs> to say, hey, put one in my poll, because yeah. I'm sure everybody and their brother is going to want to pick that up. Yeah, let them know. I mean, it's a small title. They probably only ordered one or two copies <laughs> to make sure that, you know, one gets in your pool. Absolutely. Yeah, Transformers isn't that popular. <laughs> yeah, I never heard of it. Uh, something about cars. But, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, of course, check us out on social media at A-N-A-D underscore number one comics podcast on Instagram, on Twitter at or X or whatever it's called today at A-N-A-D-N-O comic pod and on TikTok at A-N-A-D number one comics pod. You can also check us out on YouTube under the comic book channel. This and every single week, we love to give away a copy of the book that we covered, which this week week being uh, R.L. Stein, Stuff of Nightmares, Red Murder, number one. Uh, all you have to do is use the hashtag all new, all different nation on social media of your choice to be entered in the giveaway. And once again, we thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you next week. <laughs>